gospel expansion. I mean, we, we said the one word summary of Acts was witness, but we, we, we could also say gospel expansion, gospel movement, gospel increase is what the book of Acts is all about. The church growing through gospel witness. The gospel going to different cities and believers or people coming to faith in Jesus and therefore churches being planted that continue this process of sending out the gospel. So you see the, the gospel being the kingdom, the, the, the church, uh, God's people starting as a mustard seed in Jerusalem and at Pentecost and then it expanding throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In fact, Acts 1-8, when we started our study, we said this is a pretty good outline of the book of Acts. It said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, talking about Pentecost, and you will be, notice the outflow of having the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And that's what's happening. And that's what has happened. Ascension. Jesus ascends to the throne, pours out the Spirit. The church begins to expand, taking the gospel, which eventually will be to every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. Much progress has been made, but there is still much left to do. So today, we finish what we started in Acts anyway. We don't finish the mission but we finish what we started in Acts and seeing the gospel go throughout the Roman Empire in that day. And we will finish up with... Uh, do you know we started this in January the 7th, 2018? That's, that's when we started Acts. So two and a half years. And we see that it ends abruptly, but the gospel is keeping on traveling. The end of the book, we see God's plan to save a people of Jew and Gentile. You see that throughout the New Testament. One new man through one gospel. Every Now here's, here's where some people start to choke. But it's Bible truth, right? Every Jew and every Gentile that has been chosen by grace has come and will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think you can come to any other conclusion if you slowly and carefully read Romans 9 through 11 along with Ephesians 1 and 2 and on we go. But I, I say that to give you confidence. and It's God's truth first, and I have to be bold enough to, to show you that. But I say it to give you confidence that God will accomplish His purpose through our weak witness. Every Jew, every Gentile that has been chosen by grace will listen and will come to Jesus. So my main point, what I, our takeaway as we end this book is proclaim the gospel in faith, knowing that those who are His will listen. Proclaim the gospel in faith, knowing that those who are His will listen. And I want to look back at this text from 24 to 27 and just see the mystery of partial hardening. And I'll tell you why I say mystery of partial hardening in a minute. But it says this in verse 24. And some were convinced by what Paul said. What, what is Paul saying? He's teaching about Jesus and the kingdom from the Old Testament. He's showing that all of the Old Testament was about Christ and the coming of Christ and that He has come so the King and the kingdom have come and is expanding to the ends of the earth. Salvation is a free gift 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so having studied that all day and talked about that all day, it says some were convinced by what he said, but others, and probably most of them, were not. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed. We'll get to that in a second. Some believe while the rest, the, 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 the net Bible says, refuse to believe. And that's biblical. It's willful unbelief when people reject the gospel. Some refused to believe. And my question to you is, why do any people believe? Why does anybody believe the gospel? Because the Bible says that we are born dead in our trespasses and sins. With a hard and corrupt heart. We are unresponsive to God in a good way. That we suppress the truth in unrighteousness, Romans 1. That none of us, left to ourselves, want to hear it. So why do any people believe the gospel? It's because God is at work. You say, here. Now, these people that, that disagreed and these people that didn't believe, these people that refused to believe on that day, we don't know how many of them came to faith on another day. Because it's not always God's will to convert a person the first time you speak to them about Christ. You want to be discouraged about witnessing, believe that. I remember thinking one time in Columbia, South Carolina, I, I had armored up against the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I had that magic scripture that was going to convert this person. I saw them on the streets all the time. And so I just walked up to this Jehovah's Witness, and I shared that scripture with them. And that man went off on a tangent in 46 different directions on different subjects, and I, I, I was like, whoa, what happened? That didn't work. Because I was expecting that immediate conversion. But maybe he came to faith later. I don't know. Sometimes when you witness to somebody, a lot of work has been put into it, and they will turn and trust Christ at that point. Seeds have been sown. God's reaping souls. Sometimes the first time people hear, they come. Sometimes it's after years. Of, my brother's a good example of that. After years of rebelling against the gospel. On his deathbed coming to Christ. But some refuse to believe. And it says, after disagreeing among themselves, so they're even starting to fight, they departed after Paul quoted Isaiah. After he quoted from Isaiah. But why do any... It, it, the miracle is, and we'll see this language later, but I'm using it in the outline, so I'll, I'll mention it now. You saw it when I read Romans that a partial hardening has happened to the Jews. Not a full hardening, a partial hardening. And that's the amazing part. The amazing part is that not all of them were hardened for rejecting the gospel, for going off into idolatry, for rejecting God, for being taken into captivity, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, out of the land. It's amazing that they were not all rejected and hardened, but it's a partial hardening and God has a purpose in it. It's only a partial hardening. Now watch this. This is God's word. I'm simply reading it. Romans, same chapter, Romans 11, 5 through 7. And Paul has already asked the question, has God rejected his people, Jewish people? He said, no, I'm a Jew. Obviously he hasn't. But look at this in, in Romans 11, 5 to 7. So too at this present time there is, now watch this. This is among the Jews. There is a remnant. When you think a remnant, what do you think? 
A really big, small, right? Watch this. Um, at this present time, there is a remnant who were smart enough to choose Christ. There is a remnant chosen by grace. They did not deserve it. The amazing thing is not, it's not a total hardening. Think about Romans 9. In fact, I, I, there's a story about this preacher that didn't tell anybody what he was doing. He just stood up in the pulpit and read Romans 9. And a man stood up in the congregation and said, Preacher, I don't believe, believe a word of that. Pretty strong chapter, right? But it's about God's sovereignty. But in Romans 9, it says, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Where are you amazed when you read that? See, we want to fly to Esau's cause. Oh, it ain't right that Esau was hated. Man, read about Esau. It's no wonder that he wasn't rejected. The amazing thing is that Jacob was loved. Because he was just as much a rascal as Esau was. A rascal. See, what you see throughout Scripture is this remnant chosen by grace. And it was among the Jews and through the Jews' rejection and Gentiles are grafted in, so it's expanded to the Gentiles. But it says, so at this present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it's by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. Now watch this language. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. And it was a just and righteous thing for them to be hardened because unbelief brings judgment. And part of judgment is hardening. The amazing thing was that there were any who were not hardened. See, all deserve condemnation, but some get grace. But this quote he's using in Isaiah, they depart after they hear it. If you go back and read the Old Testament, it's more in the form of an imperative to Isaiah. Make the heart of this people dull. Blind their eyes. It's, and the reason it's imperative there is kind of predictive of the outcome of Isaiah's ministry. That's encouraging, right? You get called into the ministry, kind of like Jeremiah, and then you're told, but they're not going to listen to you. But Paul says this is true of the Jews. I mean, it got Stephen stoned when he talked about this. Remember in Acts chapter 7? But Paul quotes Isaiah and tells them basically that their, their, their eyes are closed, their ears are shut, their hearts are dull. That's why they're not receiving the news he's giving them. And they depart. Why are they deaf, blind? Why do they have dull hearts or calloused hearts, depending on what translation you have? It's a good representation. Calloused hearts. You, see, you hear hard hearts in Scripture. Well, Psalms and other places would teach us that those who worship idols become like them. We become like what we worship. If we reject the true and living God and craft one of our own, we become like that thing. And if you, you think about it, God mocks His people all the time through the Old Testament about taking a block of wood, cutting half of it off to cook their food, and making the rest of that wood into something they bow down to. 
craftsmen will carve them and cover them with gold and silver and they will have eyes and mouths and ears and legs but they can't see, they can't hear, they can't speak, they can't walk, they can't do anything. And see, worshiping, turning to idolatry is the story of the Jews except for the remnant which was preserved by God by grace given what they didn't deserve which was grace wholesale turned into idolatry and was removed from the land. They become like those who worship. Basically, Paul is saying that, you know, the reason you can't hear see is because of your idolatry. And now you can see why that might have made them mad and they wanted to leave. We don't like to be confronted with our sin. We don't like to be confronted with things that we don't think are true. That's why I'm always cautioning you to be careful when somebody's speaking about sovereignty. Just slow up and examine Scripture. Because to our own natural minds, it doesn't seem right. But it is biblical and it is true and God is so much wiser than we are. I mean, you know, coming to embrace the doctrine of election, which is what we see played out here when we read Romans 9 through 11 and see what's happening here in Acts 28. I fought against that so hard it didn't make any sense to me. And, and I was reading my Bible, and I was being discipled by another man, and I came to Acts 13, 48, and God arrested me right there. You remember the sermon I preached on that? I hope you do. All who were predestined to eternal life believed. In that order. That's what the Greek says. What came first? God's sovereignty. Nobody gets injustice, either justice or mercy, grace. God's not obligated to save everybody. They, their, their, their hearts were calloused because of their refusal to follow and believe in God and all that He said He was. And when we reject God's message, when God's Word is preached, you know two things are always happening, right? Right? You know what's either, there's two things happening to your heart when God's word is preached. It's either being softened or hardened. There's no middle ground. That's scary, isn't it? Their hearts were dull or calloused. What is a callous? Oh no, you see Kevin playing the guitar. Kevin's fingers didn't start with that ability. When you first start trying to play a guitar, many people end up with bloody fingers. Because that skin's not used to that, uh, you know, that stress it takes from sliding and working with those strings. But over time, as you play and play and play, then the ends of your fingers become hard. So you can, they can take the stress. So that's a positive example of a good thing that, that a callus is for. But it's used as a picture of what happened. The word stresses us when it comes to us. And if we're rejecting it, it is hard in our hearts. We're, we're getting more and more calloused. And it's more and more easy to reject God's message. Now we know unbelievers, of course, are rejecting the message and have hard hearts. And, but it happens more and more. The more I hear the gospel, the more I hear the message, and the more I reject it, the more calloused my heart becomes. And that ought to scare you. If this morning your attitude toward the gospel is that it is foolishness, well, number one, in 1 Corinthians, God said you would say that. 
But if you're cold to the gospel, if you're cold to Christ, if you're refusing to trust in Christ, which is what you're doing if you're not trusting in Him, okay? Your heart is being calloused. You're in a dangerous position. See, Paul was telling them, your hearts are calloused, your ears are stopped, you can't see with your eyes. If you would turn, He would heal you. But you're rejecting the message that He uses, the gospel which is the power of God. Jesus even told us that the light has come into the world, but men and women who are outside that love darkness instead of light and will not come to the light because their deeds are evil. I remember those days rejecting the gospel because I loved my sin and didn't want to give it up. My heart was callous. Praise God, He overcame that and gave me a new heart. Willful disobedience either to the gospel as an unbeliever or to the word as a believer stresses and calluses your heart. Beware. Over and over and over, God called Israel to repentance. But they persisted in idolatry and they became like their idols with no sight, no hearing. They preferred man-made religion to God's word and His truth. Our country is full of that right now. Your TVs are full of that. We desperately need revival in this nation, in God's church. Because there's a lot of foolish man-made religion under the guise of Christianity these days. Romans 11, 8. See, judgment upon willful unbelief, hardening. That's what justice is. That's what should take place in everybody. But it says this in Romans eleven eight. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. See, God judged their unbelief with hardness. Think about this. He let them go their own way. That's one of the scariest descriptions of ju- judgment. I know of is that we persist in rebellion against God and at some point he just leaves us to it lets us go our own way that happens to nations and it happens to people and it has happened to this nation and apart from widespread revival in the church and repentance in the nation judgment will continue and get hard is America under judgment yes Do we deserve worse? Yes. Will we someday get worse? Yes. Without repentance. It will become harder and harder and harder to be a Christian in this nation. But God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness. We will be a more faithful church because of the pruning that will take place through it. Psalm 81.11 says, My people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Are you refusing to listen to his voice? Are you refusing to submit to God? Be warned of the callousing that is taking place. The good thing is today is the day of repentance. 
for the believer who's resisting God in some area, and for the unbeliever who has rejected Christ up until this point. Today can be the day of salvation. You're not guaranteed another. I'm not trying to scare you. Yes, I am. I'm just telling you the truth. This might be your last day on this planet. It may not be. doesn't matter. God commands all people everywhere to repent because he's given his son to save us. This is, Paul was confronting the Jews with the gospel. And by God's grace, part of that remnant that's chosen by grace did believe him. But most of them rejected the message and they left when he began applying the word to them and calling them out for their sin. Don't be like that. If someone's preaching or proclaiming or sharing with you 101 or it, maybe they're confronting you about a sin, the first question you want to ask is, what does God's word say? And am I living in conformity to that? But see, they didn't want to hear it. Stop their ears, ready to go. But it's a miracle because it's a partial hardening and God has a purpose in the partial hardening is to make Israel jealous through the faith of the Gentiles and there will be, there is, God hasn't given up on the Jewish people. If you rightly interpret Romans 11, there's going to be an outpouring on them as well. Not this sermon. But thankfully, there is a remnant chosen by grace who had a new heart. Secondly, the purpose of the partial hardening. Look in verses 28 to 31. Paul says, and he's done this before. We saw it in other places in Acts. We saw it in Acts 13, other places. When the Jews refused to hear the message, sometimes, you know, it violently refused to hear the message, he turns to the Gentiles. And it says that here in verse 28. What's the purpose of the partial hardening? Here it is. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will Listen, I'll refer you back to Romans eleven twenty five 25 again. Lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be aware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon uh, Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. There is a number. There is a fullness of the Gentiles that God will accomplish. So the Jews have been hardened so that the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Aren't you thankful for that? I doubt we have any full-blooded Jews in the room or in the church. And yet we get grace. God has worked that through Israel's rebellion and partial hardening and bringing, turning the gospel to the Gentile as well. It was all according to His plan. None of it took Him by surprise. He is saving a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. And so the Jews were hardened so that the gospel goes to the Gentiles to bring that tribe of people from every country, city, language, and innumerable host to himself. And Paul says this with confidence because he knows. I mean, he knows his, you know, what God is up to. He says, okay, you reject it, go into the Gentiles. My pattern, you know, that's gospel pattern. The gospel is the power of God for the Jew first and then to the Gentile. First part of Romans. And you've seen that in his pattern. He said, you reject it, I've got a place to go with it. I'm going to the Gentiles. They might listen. Is that what it says? They will listen. Listen to what? The gospel. You may be sitting in here. You may be a kid. You may not be a kid. You may not have heard anything I've said. What is the gospel? 
Gospel means good news. See, the bad news is we've all sinned against God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, judgment, justice, physical and spiritual. We not only will physically die, we will stand before Him and be condemned because we have not kept His law. We have not loved and served Him. We have rebelled against Him. And the bad news is we're all sinners and we're under condemnation. But the good news is God sent His Son at just the right time to live for us, to die for us, to be raised for us, to reign for us. He's coming again someday. Christ died for our sins. According to the Scriptures, He was buried and He was raised the third day. Paul says they are going to listen to that. God's, God's, God's purpose will be accomplished. What does it mean to listen? Biblically, to listen doesn't just mean you heard something, like your favorite song. Right? It means you heard it and you obeyed it. When God talks about people hearing Him, it means that they hear what He says, they agree with it, and they obey it. So when Paul says they will hear, he's saying they will hear this good news about Jesus and they will turn and place their faith in Him. Repentance and faith. You want to know if you've heard the gospel? Have you turned from yourself and your own way, from rebelling against God, from your sin to God and received His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior? Are you trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone to make you right with God this morning? If you don't think you need that, your heart is hard. You should fear. If you're presuming that you can just trust Jesus and live ever how you want to, your heart is hard. But the gospel in those that He saves produces a love for Him that causes us to hate sin and want to be free of it, to turn to Him and to trust in Jesus and seek to live lives that glorify Him. Salvation is a free gift. Christ paid the full penalty for our sins. He was buried. He, raised, he was raised the third day. If you trust in Jesus, He will forgive you. But even to trust in Him, you have to repent. That's a change of heart, turning from unbelief to belief. It results in a change of action a new life of living growingly for Christ. None of us are glorified yet. But if you just want Jesus for a ticket into heaven and you want Him to leave you alone about the rest of your life, your heart is hard. You don't know Him. Now, as a Christian, we would fully admit, I fall short every day. I need grace every day. But my heart is not to just to use Jesus as a ticket into heaven, but to have Him transform me so that I love and live for Him. See, that's what Paul was preaching is Christ and Him crucified and our response of repentance and faith, calling the Jews to faith in this Jesus, telling them He was their Messiah. And some believed and others disbelieved. And Paul said, we'll go to the Gentiles. They will listen. And you know from reading Romans 11, Paul knows full well that every one of the remnant chosen by grace will listen, Jew and Gentile, and that someday the fullness of the Gentiles will come in and the the fountain will be open to the Jews again. Paul stayed on target. If you're a Star Wars fan, stay on target, right? 
he stayed on target. Even in chains, even when he's in a dungeon, he'll be writing scripture. Look, what it, look how it finishes. And this, this should be a description of the church and this should be a description of our lives as well. It says in verses 31 and 30 and 31, He lived there two whole years at his own expense, welcomed all who came to him and what was his life about, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What do you mean without hindrance? He was in chains. Yeah, but God had people come to him. He... To the extent that he could, he preached Christ to everybody no matter what the circumstance. The book starts with kingdom and witness and it ends with kingdom and witness. And it's not just a fancy story for us to read and be astonished by, but it's to change us and we are to grow to be more like what we see in it. A people of God who love and trust Him, who are living for His glory and who are bold with His gospel. So let me end with a few um, applications and I will stop. I want to give you a warning. I want to give you an exhortation. And I want to give you an encouragement. The first warning is beware of an evil calloused heart. If you're not trusting in Jesus this morning, if you're rejecting the gospel this morning, this, this morning your heart became a little harder than it was. Unless God is working in you repentance and faith, you should be very, very afraid. I have to tell you the truth because you're not ready to leave this life. You're not ready to stand before the judgments of God. I haven't been peeking in your windows, but I know that you haven't kept His law in thought, word, and deed. That you haven't been perfect. Therefore, you need a Savior. Turn and trust in Him today. Believer, are you callous to His Word? You say, no, I'm not callous to it. I just don't read it. That's the ultimate callous. You've got to tear a callous off to get your Bible open. Well, you know, I like most of what it says. I just, I don't systematically read through it. I, just, I like to read this and this and this. It's not a cafeteria. It's not Shoney. Well, they don't have Shoney's anymore, right? Or, what do you have that's a delicatessen or a buffet these days? It's not a fellowship meal. How about that? Where you walk by and pick what you want. Why are you being mean this morning? I am not. Yeah, this won't fill the building, I know. We got seats available. Hebrews, Paul says, yes, I said Paul. I think Hebrews is Paul's theology through the pen of Luke. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Watch this warning. Take care, brethren. Church, take care, lest there be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may, here's our word, be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What does that mean? Sin lies to us. It says it's really attractive. It'll be a good thing if you pursue it. And every time you do rebel against God and pursue it, calluses are developing. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So turn and trust Christ this morning. 
Don't procrastinate. Please, I beg of you, hear me when I tell you you need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus, and He will save you if you will trust Him. Believer, beware of a calloused heart. Beware of a familiarity with God's Word that breeds contempt. Beware of a presumption that causes you to leave your Bible laying on the table. Psalmist said, His Word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against Him. You have to choose between Twitter and Facebook and Word, you choose Word. I'm not just picking on the tweets and whatever gets in the way. You have time if you'll make it. Let me, get, let me give you an exhortation. One word, witness. That's not my thing. Yes, it is. You are light and salt in Christ. You have a mouth. God tells us, speak for him. Even if you can only do sign language, you can sign for Jesus. Even if you can only write, you can write for Jesus. My exhortation is witness. Like Paul, like Peter, like the church, we should be proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Why should we be that? My goodness. Are we ashamed of Jesus? Do we care more about what people think than what He thinks? That's hard, isn't it? I have to ask myself these same hard questions. Because we live in too easy a day. We have it too easy. We have a hard time living without air conditioning. It's a good thing, right? But Jesus has told His church, and His church is His church, and it comes all the way down to me, and it comes all the way down to you. We are to be about being light and salt individually as well as corporately. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the days. That is the church's mission, and you have a role to play in that. And our role is simply, Peter said, we have the privilege of bragging on our God. We have the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation. We are ambassadors of Christ if we know Him. Speak for Him. Speak for Him. The mess we have all around us is shouting to us, Speak for Him. We're afraid to say homosexuality is a sin on Facebook, aren't you? I relate. Why? Because we're afraid of the blowback. But it's the truth of God's Word. And that's just, when it, even if you don't talk about that on Facebook, not everybody has to, what about the gospel? Every segment of my life should be a witness for my Savior. So my one word exhortation is witness. Be willing to stink at it. Everything you start trying to do, you stink at to start with. Be willing to grow in it. We will help.
And then my last is an encouragement. God will save His people. You can't mess it up. <laughs> you can't mess it up. Not one person will go to hell because you didn't think of the right thing to say. And not one person will go to heaven because you did. It's God at work in you and through you. Through the weakness of your human witness, pointing people to Jesus who will save Jew and Gentile, red, yellow, black, and white, rich and poor. You name the category. He will save His people. Read Romans 9-11. through 11. If you have to read that again, stay there and meditate. Read Ephesians 1. Go on or there. But I want to give you what Jesus said. Please believe your Savior. He said this. John 6, 37-40. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me. You, you ever felt like this? Well, I, I'm scared I'm not elect. I want to be saved. Don't be scared. If you want to be saved, if you're trusting in Jesus... That's Him working in you. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me. Watch, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me, but raise it up on the last day. And He will do that through the means of the Gospel. Watch verse 40. For this is the will of My Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus said, every one of the people that were given to Him by the Father will come to Him through the proclamation of the Gospel so that they turn from sin and trust in Him and in Him alone for their salvation. And He will never, ever reject them. Witness, because He will save His people. Now you say, well, if He's going to save His people, it doesn't matter if we witness. Well, you just steered off into hyper-Calvinism. God works through means. and he's, You know, the primary reason we should witness is because we're commanded to. Same thing, pray in all of it. Right? He is accomplishing His purpose. Remember our video. Life doesn't always feel that way. And you saw some, some like... You know, kingdoms would rise up and seemingly eclipse the gospel and then they would just kind of fade away as the, and the gospel just kept moving. One day, the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. The glory of the Lord. He will accomplish all His purpose. He will have a tribe, uh, a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language, Jew and Gentile around His throne singing His praise an innumerable host. If you're trusting in Christ, you will be part of that. And He will have used you to influence others to be part of that. Remember, the same Paul who teaches all of that in, in Romans 9-11 through 11 said in the very first chapter of the book of Romans that it is the gospel that is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Take that message with you. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. And salvation and life are found in trusting in Christ and in Christ alone. Take that message. It's not a complicated message. We have sinned and deserve condemnation, but Christ has lived and died for us that we might have forgiveness and eternal life. My goodness, the smallest child in here knows that and can say that.
It's not a knowledge problem. We get to play a part in the great gospel conquest of this earth. Will you go? If we have His Spirit, we will go. We may go locally. We may go family and friends and neighbor. We may go around the world with the gospel. But if His Spirit's within us, He will prompt us and convict us and shape us so that we go with the words of the gospel to those who don't know Him. If you're not trusting Him, trust Him this morning. If you are trusting Him, recommit yourself to Him. May the book of Acts and our study in it one of the things may, that it has, may, may it have done is made us a more faithful witness. I'll end with the words of Christ in the first of the book. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They will listen. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful that your power is made perfect in weakness, that you, your grace is sufficient, that you can use weak, needy, flawed people in your service. I pray for powerful, inescapable, crushing conviction to fall upon anyone listening to my voice that doesn't know Jesus so that they would see their desperate need of a Savior and turn and trust in Christ and in Him alone before they leave this life and face you alone. And those of us who know you, Lord, I pray for a gracious but a firm conviction that we might grow in that grace that life really would be about you, that we'd be willing to live for you and speak for you no matter what the context. That we'd have the courage to say that other religions are wrong, that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through Him. There is one Savior with one gospel because there is one God who has sacrificed His Son for us and commands all people everywhere to repent. Have mercy on us because we so often want to sit on the throne of our own lives. Reign over us, Lord Jesus. Transform us. Prepare us to live in a wicked, rebellious nation and to live faithfully with Christ on our hearts and on our lips. Deliver us from every idol. Take away every piece of callous on our hearts. May you be our delight and our treasure. And the way that this book ends, I pray that it would be true of my life and it would be true of our lives in, together. That we were proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. 
Work in us for your glory and for our good. Help us to not only stand upon your word, but hide it in our hearts. Help us to hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and share that hope with our children, with our spouse, with our family, with our friends and neighbors, co-workers, and as far as you will take us for the glory of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grow us in repentance and faith, Lord. Grow us in grace. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.